This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Doesn't it? Language changes over time. Have you noticed? 200 years ago, if I had said to you the statement that I saw a gay man walking down the road wearing a cool t-shirt, he looked so wicked that he was sick. That would mean something completely different 200 years ago to what it means today. Because language changes over time. And one of the words that has changed in our society today, and the word that I want to talk to you about, is a word that's really, really important in the Bible. It's not the word love, and it's not the word faith. But that should give you the clue the other word that I want to talk to you about this morning. Any guesses? Hope. Hope. Thank you, Brian, the great theologian amongst us. I want to talk about the word hope. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, can you flip it open or look it up on version if you're using that on your phone this morning and turn to Psalm 42 and verse 5. Psalm 42 and verse 5 and put your finger in it for a second and we'll turn to the scripture in a moment language changes over time and it's one of the greatest challenges for me as a 48 year old father of three teenagers to keep up with what words actually mean today in fact any of you here have heard about a guy called big shack are you aware of him have any of you heard about him? I'm going to ask some of the young people. Can you come out if you've heard of Big Shaq? Come on, all of you come out here this morning if you're familiar with him. Come on, because I know you're familiar with him because on a Sunday night, uh, sorry, on a Friday night here, you all come out. Is there any more? Or oh, we've just got three this morning. Because I'm trying to work out. I understand when he sings this song and he says, two plus two is? Minus one is? Quick math. I get that bit. But I don't understand the bit where he goes, crap, kitty cat and all that. What is all of that weird language? Can you help me understand it? No. No. It is just weird. But yet all of you listen to all of this weird stuff out there and it does my head in, really. is. I think they should listen to proper music, do you? I think, you know, make this world a better place for you and me and the entire human race. Wouldn't those be great titles to have? Instead of, what are the words in this song? They're weird. Are you going to sing it? No, no you're not going to sing it. Go on, give me a round of applause. Like. <laughs> <laughs> See, Reese should have been out here. So did his. What was that? Pa, 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 pa. Does that mean you want Dad to turn up? It, yeah. Language changes over time. And these three words, faith, hope, and love, are three words that Paul talks about when he writes to quite a messed up church that's in Corinth. 
2,000 years ago, he writes to a church and there's like division there. And there's people not getting on with each other. There's sexual immorality. There's all kinds of, you know, some people read the Bible and think this is such a, like a holy thing that is written about a lot of the time. But a lot of the time, you know, write about lots of unholy things that's going on in churches. You know, and people think that uh, churches should be placed, uh, places that good Christians go to and that nothing ever goes on. There's no problems, etc., etc., in churches. I tell you, there's problems in churches all the time. And the reason there's problems in churches all the time is because that's where messed up people get their mess together, isn't it? It's that where messed up people, instead of coming and uh, lying or trying to cover up all the things that we all struggle with in life, the things like grief and depression and anxiety and all those kind of subjects that we have, all the way down to our own anger, our own feelings, lust and all kinds of things that come and affect us as part of the human experience. We are called as a church to live a God-honoring life and work that stuff out. That's the whole purpose that Christ came, is to set us free from the works of the flesh and all those things that can beset us and lead us astray and to come to God and say, Lord, will you help me with all the stuff that I am struggling with? And I stand to you, I stand in front of you this morning, opening God's word as an imperfect human being. I have got many, many failings. But I can tell you that by God's grace... We work on them together. Just like I'm working on mine, you are working on yours. Amen? Amen. And let's not ever forget. You know, we talked about judging last um, Sunday in the fantastic uh, message that uh, Andrea spoke to us. You know, we can judge other people for their sin. And I like that phrase, you know, sin looks different on each of us. What is your hassle might not be my hassle. So don't, don't have me judge you for yours when you may be judging me for mine. Because we all work through all these things. And so it's in the context of some sin that Paul is writing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and he's saying, look, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're amazing things. People who can heal. People who can work miracles. People that can bring a word of prophecy or a word of wisdom, or can discern spirits. And he talks about all of these incredible things that are at work. And then he steps into 1 Corinthians 13, and at the end of it, as he transitions, he says, I am going to show you now a more excellent way. And he talks about love. And he talks about how important love is. And he says, don't even bother working in those gifts. He says, if you're going to prophesy, and you can... Have faith that remove mountains. He says, don't even bother with that if you're not going to have love as the foundation in your life. And so he finishes by talking about three principles. And he says, faith, hope, love. And the greatest of these is love. So Andrea has been speaking to us over the last couple of weeks on the subject of faith, both on Friday night here uh, at the youth. Um, and we have had several messages, haven't we? over the last year or so, on the subject of love. And so it's prompted by that, and it's prompted with what God is doing amongst us, that I thought this morning I would come and share a message that has been on my heart for quite some years. In fact, this one has been on the boiler or uh, in the uh, slow cooker for way, way over five years. And now, I believe, is the time that's right to come and share this word with you.
You know, hope is something that we really need in our lives, isn't it? But we talked about words that change over time. And hope is one of these words that has changed. You know, so the phrase that we use today when it comes to hope is to say, I hope to be there next Tuesday. That's how we use it. We use it as a word that say, oh, I hope he does well in the football this afternoon when James is going out to play and put his boots on. That's the kind of hope that we have. And it's a weak type of hope that is communicated in our society today. It's a hope that's powerless. It's a hope that is weak. It's a hope that has plenty of wish and not enough grit and desire in it. But that's not the hope that the Bible talks about because the word has changed over time. In fact, reflecting on this, I want to give you a framework, if I can, of what hope looks like and maybe some way that we can construct it in our own minds this morning to help give us an understanding. You see, the Bible talks about love as being a foundation in our lives, doesn't it? And some of you will be uh, aware that one of the things um, that I've loved doing on several different occasions in my life is I've had the privilege of building our own home twice. And so we moved into the house where we live in at the moment uh, in 2013. But I want to show you a couple of pictures this morning of what was part of the process of building our own home. Have a look at this first picture um, here that's on screen. And this is uh, Pastor Ivion and myself. And uh, we went up to the plot one day. The builders had been in and they had cleared this land. And we are standing right there, probably in our lounge or what is our lounge right now for those of you that have been in our house. There it is. There is what we decided as a family to build on. And you see, the Bible talks about a principle in Hebrews chapter 11. He says this when we write about the faith of Abraham. The Hebrew to the writer, the Hebrew, um, the writer to the Hebrew says this. He says, Abraham, when talking about faith, said this. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And in the same way that our faith and our love and our hope comes to bear through the way that we live, we build our lives on the solid rock, Christ Jesus, don't we? That's what the Bible encourages us to do. So our life is built on a sure rock. That rock is Jesus. It has been created by the master architect and the master builder. And the foundation that we build on it is the greatest commandment of all, that we love, that we love God and that we love others. So on this rock, underneath that soil, is solid pen and stone rock in Penabank, Clandilo. And I'll show you how. Flick to the next slide if you can with me, Lee. We dug down, we hired one of these big high-macks that came into the site and it dug. It was digging down to find what, church? It was digging down. Thank you, Brian. You're, you're, you're using that brain of yours today. It's digging down to find rock before pouring in the foundation of love, 
that's built on the rock Christ Jesus. Got it? Foundation of love built on the rock Christ Jesus. And so we poured it in. Have a look at the next shot. And we poured in. Here it's coming. Oh, it's gone. Uh, we poured it in and then we began to construct the house on it. That's a picture uh, of us there. There we are. This is what I wanted to show you. Built on that. Though this now is the foundations of the house that you can see. Call that love. Can we call that love? And then we build it all the way through. Throw through the next and you'll get to see some of the final pictures. Come all the way up. That's Ivan and Brenda. Oh, actually, you can zoom back just so you can see that. This is brilliant. There's the inspector of works over there. <laughs> There's Brenda having a... Um, or actually, it's probably Ivan having a lecture from Brenda saying, this kitchen is too small, or something of that, uh, that nature. And then, wind it forward. You can see that's us on the first floor. They're building it. And again, look at that. And then the final picture, I was trying to look for one and couldn't find it on Facebook, so wind to the last picture, you can see the house beginning to come together. The last one, cream house, here it comes. No? Okay. So, the bit that I want to talk about is this. Hope is the knowledge and the security of understanding that God's plan is going to come to pass. You know, the scripture tells us that nobody builds a tower without first counting the cost. That's what Jesus did, didn't it? And so we as a family counted the cost, we got everything together, and we decided to build this. This was in our minds before it actually existed. Do you understand? That's what vision is. You have an idea and you have a plan. So this house existed in our mind's eye before it became physical. That's what hope is. It's something that exists in our mind before it becomes physical. I know that I will see my father again. I know that when the trump sounds at the end of time, I know that the scripture teaches me because of the hope that I have in Christ, that the dead in Christ will rise first. So that will be Pastor Ivion and my father and everybody else, the saints that have gone before us. They will rise first. And the scripture goes on to say, and us that remain will be caught up to be with him in the air. I have a hope in that. Do you? That's why we're breaking bread this morning, as Martin encouraged us. Our hope is in the resurrection of Christ. Do you know we will not be doing communion for the whole of eternity? In fact, we will be only breaking bread together until when, church? Until he comes. He says, do this in remembrance of me until I come. And that's our hope is in Christ. So love is our foundation. We have hope in the process and the future. And it's faith that gets us from A to B to C to D to Z. Get it? Does it are you finding this helpful? That we have love as our foundation so that we can get to this place. 
I could get to a place one day I'll have a home that's much better than that. I'll have a mansion in glory. Because he's gone to prepare a place for me that where he is, there I can be also. My hope is in that destination. My faith is moving me stage by stage, one day closer. I am one day closer to the mansion in glory today, aren't I? You're one day closer to that mansion in glory as we go on life's journey through faith. Love is a foundation. Faith is the act of construction. Hope is the certainty and confidence in the process and end result. Can you get that? I'll say that again. I'll be repeating this three times throughout my message this morning. Love is a foundation. Faith is the act of construction. Hope is a certainty and a confidence in the process and the end result. This message came from something that happened to me in 2013. That's what started me off on this message. But before I do that and share with you that story, can you turn to me the scriptures? And before your fingers go numb, and turn to Psalm 42 verse 5. And let's have a look at it together as we uh, share the wonderful scriptures where our text is based that says quite simply this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. As it says in the NIV version, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Can I encourage you with this psalm this morning and encourage you to put your hope in God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We pray as we turn to it now and look at three truths that you want to show us from scripture that we can apply to our lives and learn about hope. Faith, hope, love. You taught us that the greatest of these is love, but that the other two are also fundamental to the way we live life. We can't just do all love and discard the other two. So I pray, Lord, as we look at this area of hope today, that you would just lift our downcast, disturbed souls, that we might put our hope in God, and that our salvation might be renewed in you again, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It was 2013, it was January, and I got angry. The reason I got angry is I was listening to a podcast. I listen to lots of podcasts about different things when I'm driving. And one of the podcasts I listen to, in fact, there's four that I listen to from Radio 4, which is the great radio station that everybody should listen to. Amen. Amen. That's me and Andrea. <laughs> Three of the podcasts that I listen to uh, on a regular basis are The Bottom Line, The Life Scientific, and The Moral Maze. The Moral Maze is a great one at this moment in time with lots of what's going on in our uh, life and culture. But there's also another one called BBC Radio 4, Forethought. And it's where people are invited, both practitioners and academics, to talk about a different subject. And if somebody, the editor or whatever of uh, BBC Radio 4, Forethought is listening on podcast right now, nothing would make my life happier than to have the opportunity to give a BBC Radio Forethought lecture. And so people come with all kinds of subjects, like get rid of traffic lights, 
to what's going on in the world and all kinds of craziness. And this girl called Sally Kettle made me angry. And she made me angry because she uh, had a lecture which, which was simply called, Does Hope Help? And her answer and conclusion to it, to Does Hope Help, was no. And the reason she said no is that she found herself, um, uh, she is a uh, leading adventurer, and she argued in that podcast that uh, hope is not helpful and suggested some alternative strategies for us to live by as a society. Sally has twice rowed the Atlantic Ocean and worries that hope can lead to a passive state of mind, that we do nothing. There is nothing she believes like taking concrete steps to make things happen. And for that reason, she thinks hope is futile. But the problem is Sally is connecting with the modern type of word that we use for hope, which is, I hope to be there next Tuesday, which is quite random, if I do, if I don't, etc. But I know that God willing, if I hope to be with you next Tuesday, that's largely up to me, isn't it? Yeah. God grants me, it's up to me to determine whether I'm going to get there. You know, it's few people that miss a ticket, a few people that miss the flight to go on holiday, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Because there is a focus on a person to make sure they get to the airport on time because they want to go on holiday and when they, they want to catch that flight. So we don't say to ourselves, you know, words like, I, I hope to catch the flight. We make sure we're jolly well going to catch the flight and get there on time, don't we? Don't we? So... It's a hope that's talked about in the Bible, we'll talk about shortly, which has a certainty about it that the Bible talks about. But Sally Kettle started me on this journey. Started me on this journey of looking at this. So, as a result of that, I was at the same time um, reading a, a couple of books at the time, and I was reminded of uh, um, uh, Jim Collins, who's written a fantastic book called Good to Great, and he introduced the Stockdale Paradox in that book. Any of you uh, aware of the, uh, the Stockdale Paradox? Because the Stockdale Paradox, can you believe it? A guy is actually called James Bond. How oh, great, isn't it? It's Admiral James Bond Stockdale that was born in December the 23rd, 1923. So he was born pre-Bond days um, and died in July 2005. He was a United States Navy Vice Admiral and Aviator and he was awarded the Medal of Honor uh, during the Vietnam, or after the Vietnam War during which he was a prisoner of war for seven years in a concentration camp. In captivity... Admiral Stockdale was given special treatment. By that, we don't mean special, unique treatment. He was tortured. He was literally broken down in this so kind of called Alcatraz-type place that they were holding. And it, it was, they nicknamed it the Hanoi Hilton. That's what the place was uh, nicknamed. The ordeal and his torturing went on for eight years. And in his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins references a conversation that he had with Stockdale. And he talks about this paradox. And he asked the question, he says, well, you, you know, who are the people that survived? Were, was it the optimists that survived? He said, oh, no, he said, the optimists didn't survive. You see, the optimists would, would say, we'll be out by Christmas, lads. We'll be out by Christmas. And one Christmas would go. And then an, another one would come. And another one would go. 
and their motivation to be out by Christmas meant that some of them just gave up with their very souls and passed away because they couldn't cope with it. And he said the paradox is this. The paradox, or what's called the Stockdale Paradox, or the Stockdale Principle, Google it when you get home, is a fantastic principle to have in our lives that I want to share with you today. And it is this. To face the brutal facts without losing faith. Isn't that great? To face the brutal facts. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe cancer has hit you. Please don't be one of these people that turns around and says, I'm not accepting it. I've never understood that. You know, the diagnosis is cancer. I'm not accepting it. I think, how can you not accept it? You've had the diagnosis. But we don't live in a world of diagnosis, do we? We live in a world of prognosis. Whose report am I going to believe? Like Pastor Ivion said to the doctor that diagnosed him with uh, bile duct cancer, he says, doctor, he says, you can tell me whatever you like that I've got three months to live. He said, I'm believing the report of the Lord. I'll go when he's good and ready to take me home, he said. What was Pastor Ivion modeling there for us? Facing the brutal facts without losing faith. That's hope. That's hope. Hope in the situation that every little thing, song for you guys, young, young people, every little thing is going to be all right. Because we trust in God, our creator and our redeemer. Because our foundation is built on love. And that we have an understanding for the construction of our own lives and the path that we have for him, that we can go forward. And then finally, that we have hope in that construction and as we go along in faith realizing that God has a plan for our lives we can move forward love is a foundation faith is the act of construction hope is a certainty and a confidence in the process and the end result faith hope and love appears several times in the bible not just in 1 Corinthians 13. In fact, it's littered through it. I'm going to share with you some scriptures that are to be found in Thessalonians. But hope according to the Bible. Let me give you the Bible principle of what hope is. In scripture, according to the Hebrew and Greek words translated, the word hope in biblical language, hope is an indication of certainty. So it's not woolly at all. Hope, when we say we hope in Christ, it's an indication of certainty. In fact, Hebrews 11 goes on to knit all these three things together in a wonderful way. It says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you see it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we hope in Christ. We know that things are going to happen. We know that he has a plan for our lives. No matter what happens. There might be the odd shipwreck. But it won't kill us. There might be the odd catastrophe comes that way. It's not going to beat us. We are going to stand firm. 
when each storm comes because hope is an anchor that we hold on to. And when the storms of life come, their waves can be as big as they like. We just hold on to the anchor of hope that's founded firm and deep in the Saviour's love that is built on the rock Christ Jesus. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you have hope? I pray you do. Faith, hope, and love. Hope in Scripture. You know both, if you go and have a look at the Greek and the Hebrew, it's a strong and confident expectation. So from now on, if you say to me, I hope to see you next Sunday, Pastor, I'm going to look forward in faith, knowing that you are going to be here next Sunday, come hell or high water. Because that's what biblically rooted faith is. Hope is akin to trust and confidence. So I want to leave you, if I can, and just finish, just as, as we lay down a great foundation, I want to give you three principles. I want to talk about not the kind of hope that Kettle talks about, which is a hope that's hopeless. I want to expand, if I can, on a hope that Stockdale tries to teach us about, which is a understanding that we can face the brutal facts without losing faith. Can I tell you, and can I teach you from God's word this morning, hope is a necessity in the life of the believer. If you don't have hope, you will be miserable. Not my words, Paul's words. Paul says, if we haven't got a hope, we will be of all men most miserable. In 1 Thessalonians verse 1 to 3, Paul writes to another church and he says this, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see it? Faith, hope, love. Or in this particular case, faith, love, hope. Your hope, that is an endurance inspired. Isn't that good? That's just taken a Stocktail paradox and put it on steroids, isn't it? An inspired endurance. Oh, I could preach on that for four hours, I think. Could, could, is that okay with you? Can we go on for another four? Not just an endurance, because endurance is such a negative word, isn't it? Oh, we've got to endure this. Oh, we've got to endure that. But an inspired endurance, now that's something else. We can look at the storm and smile and wave. <laughs> we can look at the circumstance that comes in our lives. And if we have it as a necessity in our lives, what a hope, church, that we can have an inspired endurance. Hope is a necessity in the life of the believer. But as well as that, hope is a certainty in the life of the believer. Isn't it? Isn't it? Come on. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, Paul writes this. He says, now we don't want you, my brothers, to be in any doubt. How much doubt? Say it again. Don't be in any doubt about those who fall asleep in death or to grieve 
over them like men who have no hope. And that's how we stand at the graveside, isn't it, as Christians? We can look into that hole and we can stare at the coffin and the corpse that is contained within and we can declare because of the hope of the resurrection in Christ and we can literally say those words with Paul O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? Because of the hope of the resurrection in Christ. That's the only reason we can say it. Because if we didn't have that hope, after all, he goes on to say, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again from the death, then we can believe that God will just as surely bring with Jesus all who are asleep in him. So our hope is a certainty. You're not deluded. You're not deluded, church. Our faith is real. It's dynamic. We have proven it through our experience Stephen Hawking and all of these people can say what they're like. They're entitled to their opinion. They can put their faith in the fact that there is no God. Great. I'm happy for them. But I prefer to have a hope that is certain. Gone through curtain, touching the very throne of Jesus Christ. And I cling onto that in my storm. I cling onto that in every circumstance that I have. Because it's way, way better than believing that I came from primeval soup. And that I came from monkeys and that I just exist here as atoms that are put together and one day will die because it just is. I can't believe it. I cannot believe it because to me it's illogical as I look at the wonder of creation around me that all of this is an, is an accident. Hope is a necessity. Hope is a certainty. And to finish, and everyone went. Hope is a victory. Hope is a victory. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8 to 10, says this. We must stay sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet of hope for our salvation. Do you see it again? Faith and love, and hope. Interesting that in the last two texts, that hope's at the end. We must stay sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, as a helmet, our hope for salvation. The helmet of salvation and the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness that talks about in uh, the end of Ephesians, when we talk about the armor of God that we've been studying in recent weeks in our plus group, all the armor is all designed to give us victory, isn't it? Victory against the enemy. And victory is ours if we have Hope that's a necessity. Hope that is certainty. And hope that is victory. If love is a foundation. And if faith is the act of construction that God builds in our lives. Then I am pretty sure that hope is a certainty and a confidence in the process of in the end result. That no matter what we go through in life. No matter what the enemy wants to send across your path. Even today. Or tomorrow. Or next week. Or even what you're going through right now church. 
Look at me. Can you all look at me for one second? Please, please. Put your hand in his hand. Hang on to him in the storm. I promise you that he is a strong rock. That if we put our anchor of hope in him. You're stronger than you think. You can do this. We go again. We step up. Will you hang on in the storm? Knowing that your hope is in him. Faith, hope and love. Whilst the greatest is love. Let's not underestimate the potential that is held within hope. If we just turn to God and put our trust in him. God bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.